Welcome to Empowering Minds, the podcast series from Mental Health Europe. My name is Marcin Rodzinka, your transparency specialist. In this episode, we are delving into the expansive world of transparency in healthcare. We trust doctors to prescribe the best medicine available. If you are experiencing mental distress and visit your doctor for help, you might be prescribed medication. Antidepressants, antipsychotics, mood stabilizers, and other drugs have been a feature of mental healthcare since 1950s. But very few people outside the medical industry, even those taking medication, know much about them. Even fewer people realize that the doctor who prescribes their medication may as well have a financial link to the company which produces it, making it advantageous for him or her to prescribe one medicine instead of another, or any medicine at all that constitutes a conflict of interests. Appropriate mental health support may take many forms and can vary greatly from individual to individual. The most important thing is to ensure that people seeking help for mental health problem can make informed choices about their lives and the type of support they choose. Medication or not, good mental health support should first address the reasons behind mental distress rather than its symptoms only. It's about free choice and informed consent. People should be fully informed about the medication they are prescribed. In this episode, I really want to find out more about the interactions between the pharmaceutical industry and doctors, and what we can and should do about it. To learn more and discuss in more details, we'll hear from Dr. Marta Piotrowska, who practices as a GP in Germany. But first, I discuss transparency and real-life situations with Professor Klaus Lieb, a leading academic and psychiatrist from the Mainz University Medical Center in Germany. Professor Klaus Lieb, you are a director and chair of the Department of Psychiatry and Psychotherapy at the University Medical Center in Mainz. You've been doing research on financial and non-financial conflicts of interest in medicine since 2007. Could you tell us what impact collaboration between pharmaceutical companies and healthcare professionals may have on prescribing behaviors? Pharmaceutical companies uh, cooperate in, in many ways uh, with physicians and researchers. So the first interaction is with research. Uh, this research is very important because uh, it's very difficult for researchers to develop uh, pharmaceutical drugs uh, to the very end. So the cooperation is important. But we also have to make sure that the development uh, of new drugs is in the best interest of the patient. So we need a certain independence of researchers and um, the second area is the prescribing area. So uh, pharmaceutical companies uh, have very, yeah, a few, uh, many um, ways of influencing the prescribing behavior of physicians. They invite, for example, physicians to uh, sponsored CME events, have dinner together and so on. And we know that all these um, different kinds of close interactions influence the doctors and they prescribe more often uh, the drugs uh, which the companies produce. Does the pharmaceutical industry have any influence on medical education? In our research, we found that pharmaceutical companies uh, already have close contact to medical students. So they start very earlier uh, very early in the career of uh, medical students uh, uh, that pharmaceutical companies come and uh, try to, to influence them and so make a close interaction from the beginning. So that means that if uh, a medical student then later becomes a medical doctor, 
he or she is already close in contact. So they want to build close uh, bridges uh, between physicians and the companies from a very early uh, stage of medical education. We also see that uh, the companies have a very large uh, interest in influencing the content uh, of medical education. So uh, they often sponsor uh, continued medical education events. And this is especially problematic because uh, we cannot await that uh, this information is unbiased. Uh, instead, we have a high risk that in these sponsored CME events, the contents uh, of the um, uh, events are unduly influenced by the interest of the pharmaceutical company. Pharmaceutical companies promote their drugs in, in different ways. Uh, uh, most important is uh, uh, that they send out pharmaceutical sales representatives to uh, the medical doctors. Could you tell us what risks in psychiatry are associated with extensive pharmaceutical marketing? In psychiatry, we see a very close and long-time interaction uh, between pharmaceutical companies um, and uh, the medical doctors and researchers. Um, and this is probably especially because patients uh, in psychiatry are treated for a very long time uh, with their drugs. So uh, they, are, they, they are often given to the patients also to prevent relapses. Uh, so the pharmaceutical companies have especially high interest uh, to promote their drugs uh, in psychiatry. This has two, two sides of a coin, I would say. Uh, we, we have now very effective uh, drugs uh, to treat psychosis or to treat severe um, uh, uh, major depressive disorder, for example, uh, but we also um, know that not all new developments, not all new drugs are better than the old ones. Uh, so we have to be very clear and uh, careful in um, choosing the right medication. And this choosing of the right medication has to be very independent from the influences of the pharmaceutical companies. How conflict of interest in medical practice should be managed, in your opinion? To manage conflicts of interest, First, it is important to have clear transparency. It's very important that uh, there is a register or something which is easily accessible uh, where every interaction between a medical doctor or researchers and the pharmaceutical company is clearly expressed so that everyone can have a, a, a short look and see exactly how many, how, how much uh, Euro did uh, one get uh, from a pharmaceutical company. Uh, based on this uh, transparency, we, we need in a second step um, that the conflicts of interests are uh, reduced as much as possible. So we clearly recommend that uh, medical doctors do not, um, uh, uh, are not visit so we clearly recommend that uh, medical doctors are not uh, visited by pharmaceutical uh, sales representatives, that they do not uh, go to sponsored CME events and so on, uh, but that they um, uh, go to medical education events which are independently organized. So uh, they have to reduce all these 
uh, their direct influences uh, on their pres prescribing behavior. And in other areas where um, conflicts of interest uh, cannot be reduced, uh, we need a clear uh, management, we need clear rules uh, to manage uh, these conflicts of interest. Thank you so much for the insight, Professor Lieb. That was very interesting and uh, hope it gave you all a bit more context. I'm now having a chat on transparency with Dr. Piotrowska. Dr. Marta Piotrowska, you've been practicing in Poland as a GP for seven years and you recently moved to Germany to continue practice in primary care. Thank you very much for the invitation. Um, my name is Marta Piotrowska and I am a medical doctor, specifically a family medicine practitioner. I would like to know more about your experience with the pharma industry. Do you have any personal experience with pharmaceutical marketing? Of course I do. <laughs> so uh, pharma marketing can have many, many different forms. So as soon as I started my job as a GP, I also started being visited by pharmaceutical representatives. Um, we call them also drug reps in short. And this is probably the most direct form of marketing. So during a short talk, uh, a representative presents the company pr company's products uh, and usually also leaves info materials like leaflets, stickers, pens, uh, posters, mugs, various gadgets for the practice, sometimes drug samples and sometimes even personal gifts uh, for the doctor. Uh, although the last one is illegal <laughs> for the record. This is of course supposed to be an information about new products or a reminder about the available ones. And uh, actually many doctors uh, value drug reps as a source of information, at least it's, it's so in Poland. However, this is uh, of course a very biased source of it. So uh, personally, I have refused to talk to drug reps since the beginning of my work as a GP. But yeah, being a, being a Polish um, doctor in primary care, it's basically impossible not to bump into one <laughs> during, during the uh, everyday practice. Another examples of uh, this, uh, what, we, what we could call pseudo-educating activities are sponsored CME events. Uh, CME stands for continuing medical education. So this is something that every doctor should do to, to keep his knowledge fresh and up to date. So the sponsored CME event organized by pharmaceutical companies with biased contents or direct presentations from company representatives. Usually they are followed by what's most beloved, so a free meal. <laughs> Pharmaceutical companies are also almost uh, always present at medical conferences. They do their advertising at stands and hand out gifts, of course, with drug names to remember. They also influence the contents of the conference sometimes. And for a Polish doctor wishing to learn or to take part in conferences, it's basically impossible to avoid. Why do you think pharma companies promote their drugs in this way? The answer is actually very simple, just because it pays off. Pharma companies, of course, produce products that we all need, but they are also businesses um, with uh, aim to sell and earn, like any other business. Uh, they also have to pay the share to their stakeholders and definitely wouldn't want to spend millions on altruistic education of doctors. Uh, so the general rule is that if a marketing method does not pay off, it's not used.
Do you think there needs to be greater transparency around drug promotion, taking all this into account? More transparency is definitely necessary. The, the transparency itself is not enough uh, and it should be followed by regulations. And we do need good regulations concerning the extent of direct contact between industry and doctors or medical students, contents of educational events, and what's probably most important, the, the extent of industry's influence on clinical studies and guidelines. It's impossible to execute any regulations without transparency, without the information. So more transparency is indeed a crucial step. Unfortunately, the practice of transparency, of reporting conflicts of interest, is becoming more and more popular. Regulators become gradually more and more aware of the problem. And uh, I really hope that also the European Union will follow um, the idea that already is, um, is set in the United States. You mentioned disclosing information about the conflicts of interest. And that's very important from the perspective of the doctor, but that's also important from the, from the, from the perspective of users and patients. How, in your opinion, users and clients and, and patients can make sure that they have all information available about conflicts of interest. We already mentioned um, how complex uh, the, the, the problem is. And uh, this is why I, I think that patients can never really make sure that they know everything about every potential conflict of, of interest. Because the net of influences is so complex, the issue of um, conflict of interest is often often unknown to doctors and regulators, let alone the patient. I also consider um, that it's not really fair and not really realistic to see a single patient as a controller of the whole system, because it's not only the single patient who loses resources as a, as a result of pharma marketing. Uh, the losses are also on the side of health system, so the state. The state has to pay more and uh, the losses are also on the side of society as a general. So this is why I believe that actions need to be taken at a higher level than the level of a single patient. And it's the regulations like the Sunshine Act, for example, that would enable in the first place, enable the patients to estimate the potential conflict of interest of their doctors. I'd like, to, I'd like to mention that, that psychological health and psychiatry are the areas especially vulnerable to pharmaceutical marketing and all the manipulations connected to this. It's easier to, for example, to manipulate clinical studies uh, and their results when endpoints are harder to define in numbers, which is the, the, the psychiatrist's case. And uh, it's also doable to push the boundaries of uh, what we consider to be a disease stage needing pharmacotherapy. With today's prevalence of diseases like depression and anxiety disorders, this is a really tempting lucrative market. Thank you so much, Dr. Petraska, for all this useful information. Thank you very much for the meeting. It was a pleasure to be here. We'll now listen to a Vox Pop to hear a bit more about public opinion on the issue. We've asked participants to a seminar on the conflicts of interest to share their thoughts about transparency with us. 
Let's hear about what they have to say. have to ensure that collaboration is needed. So um, basically, when you look at uh, the links of interest between the industry and the medical profession, uh, most of it is related to marketing. Uh, so we should focus uh, more on segregating marketing from research. And when this is done, uh, we can focus on having transparent relationship between uh, investigators and the industry. And the best way uh, would be to first uh, have transparency on the links of interest, uh, a compulsory one, an exhaustive one. I am a user uh, in psychiatry, um, a French user in psychiatry. I would say that we need transparency of on uh, all levels um, concerning the the the, med the, the drugs we are uh, prescribed by uh, healthcare um, professionals. We, we must have uh, their um, information about their links with industry, and we must uh, have a right website to find this, which is not the case with the um, website the, the government implemented after the, the, the Sunshine, the French Sunshine Act. Uh, we don't need much collaboration between psychiatrists and pharma. Uh, we need collaboration between researchers and pharma, and between psychiatrists and researchers. Healthcare practices are based on knowledge, and uh, it is uh, uh, of uh, a most uh, the most important thing is to understand how this knowledge is built and. That's why we need uh, transparency in healthcare to understand how these practices are defined. Uh, if you improve the transparency, maybe you can reduce uh, conflict of interest and then uh, improve uh, resource allocation for the health system uh, as a whole. For me, it's an evidence that the government must um, be um, uh, the the one who, who makes transparency and uh, inform all the patients and doctors of the problems and uh, not the pharmaceutical um, firms. So that's all we have time for on this episode of Empowering Minds. I hope this gave you a bit more context on the issue and some food for thoughts about transparency and mental health care. If you want to find out more on this important topic, I invite you to visit the Shedding Light Project page on Mental Health Europe website. Thanks again to our two guests, Professor Klaus Lieb and Dr. Marta Piotrowska. If you would like to receive the next podcast sent straight to your inbox, please visit our website and subscribe to our newsletter.